Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hello, one and all, and welcome to Behind the Glass, the podcast which aims to take you behind the scenes of the YouTube channel Seen Through Glass, as well as the automotive and social media worlds. I'm your host, Sam, from that YouTube channel Seen Through Glass, and alongside me it is, of course, Mr. Tony from Gravelwood Car Sales. Yes, hello. Hello, we ha- everyone. We have another guest on the podcast today. Yeah, we do. Yeah, is it Patreon? <laughs> well, no, actually it's not, and I don't know if oh. we could classify her as a guest, but Twiggy, my puppy, is here in the room with us. Somewhere. Uh, somewhere, yeah, quite worryingly, I have no idea where. Uh, if you're watching on the YouTube channel, you may see her appear somewhere in the back of shot, maybe doing a pee or a poo in an inappropriate place, I kind of hope not. And it is a dog. Most, most people might think it's a rat, but it is a dog. It's not a rat. She's adorable. No, it's a lovely little dog, but but it's, it's the a size of a rat. She's a puppy. She's growing up. It's that size, mate. That's a big rat, you'll see. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you're right. We do actually have a nickname for her at our home, which is Little Rat. Well, there you go. Then. <laughs> <laughs> she does. She does look a bit like a rat. She runs around the place. But yeah, she's currently grubbing around on the floor. She's supposed to be lying very calmly next to me on uh, her little bed, but that's not really working out. So it's her first, like podcast recording will forgive her for being a little bit badly behaved she'll she'll get in the groove she'll get in the groove but yes anyway welcome uh, to today's episode as i say if you're watching here on youtube hello make sure to subscribe turn on notifications so you don't miss future episodes if you're listening to us keep listening to us on whatever audio platform you are whether it's spotify or apple Podcasts or wherever else you might be listening to us and of course we have to thank you already mentioned them a little bit tony our patrons yes the best people in the world they're looking after us well more and more are popping up all over the place as well it seems to be that every day every week we're, we're getting new patrons joining uh, behind the glass patron page and supporting us which is fantastic and we love it and it's taking us to new exciting places that's all we're going to say for now oh that's a teaser we can't say nothing no no can't say and, 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 and rightly so because we we are one of the top three listen to automotive podcasts i think we dropped a top five when we when we missed a few weeks oh no we were top three <laughs> we were top three we dropped we dropped a couple of places but we're gonna go we're gonna get back we're gonna get back on it oh yeah anyway nice try um but yes a huge shout out to our, our patrons if you're interested in supporting this podcast via patreon go check it out patreon.com forward slash behind the glass uh twiggy's just done a shit <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> the, kid, the dogs drop the kids off. <laughs> quite, quite literally, Twiggy has just done a poo in the corner of the room. Do you need to pause? I think probably I should because it might make recording a little unenjoyable. Oh, uh, it stinks! 
<laughs> we'll be right back with you in a second. Oh, I'm back. Wow. I literally just physically ran with poo in my hand while wrapped up in a, t- wrapped up in a tissue to the, to the loos that are here in our studio block. Uh, yeah, that was an interesting moment. Anyway, hello. <laughs> Should we continue with our podcast? Uh, yeah, well done, well done Twiggy. Peg. Well done, Twiggy. <laughs> now, one thing, I mean, as great as the patrons are, and patrons in general, one thing it does is it confuses me a bit because basically all the patrons get these episodes a week before the rest of you do. They do. So if you're not a patron and you listen to it, actually the patrons have heard this a week, week ago. Which means recording is quite hard because we're sort of talking in this weird time continuum. I never know what's future, what's past. For example, our AMG GT Black series chat felt quite dated when the rest of the public heard it because a lot of news had come out since we recorded the episode. So we're going to have to sort of do a bit of future prediction today (laughs) in some of our chat to kind of date it appropriately. Um, But let's get into it. The 911 Carrera T... It's sold. It's gone. Hey! Tony has been the maestro once again uh, and sold my car in seven days. Less, yeah. I think. Yeah. I mean, it, it was priced properly. Yes. I, I, I always had great confidence it was going to sell. I know that you wasn't as confident. And you flap anyway. So I, f- I flap all the time. I flap buying cars you, and I flap selling cars. You just flap. Yeah, but... It, if you work in the industry, then you become more relaxed anyway. So, and I tell you what, as as a private individual trying to sell their car, uh, one lesson I learned there was to really follow the expert's advice in the sense where you were the one that said, "Look, this is this is how we should price it." I'm happy to price it a little bit more if you want, but this is this is the price to sell it at. And I kind of just trusted you and said, yeah. "Yeah, sure, sure, go for it." We could have tried to squeeze a little bit more money. But then we could have sat there for another two months waiting for it to sell. So there's 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 one big lesson I learned very early on in this job. Your first deal was your best deal. So take your first bid. As long as it's not stupid, you know, if you put a car up at 65 grand and someone offers you 60, I mean, it, it's not a thing. But, but uh, yeah, your first deal is your best bill. Take the money and uh, move on to the next one from a dealer's point of view. Fair enough. Um, so, yeah, but, but the main thing is is that you, but that all comes with experience, that you price the cars properly in the first place. So I, I told you the options. I was dead straight. And I don't like doing sale or return, really, because I'm not really in control of it, but I don't mind doing it for people that I know and friends and stuff. But there's, there's quite a lot of dealers that promise people the earth on sale or return, and they'll say, we'll get you this, and... But it's not realistic. And the reason why they do that is because it's not their money, mm-hmm. firstly. Not their risk, not their it's gamble. It's not their risk. So um, I, I, I kind of take it on board that it is my risk, even though it's not my car, if I'm doing sale or return. And I'd price it out. I would price it if I was buying it, which is the right thing to do. So, And then you educate the customer. And if they don't, if they don't think that that's a reasonable amount of money, then I'm sorry, give it to another dealer that won't sell it. <laughs> Well, proof is in the pudding. The car has gone, which is uh, which is great. And I think that's is that the third or f- no fourth car of mine that you've sold? Maybe fifth car of nah, mine you've sold yeah, now. Yeah, it's five or six. Maybe yeah, six you've, few, you've been yeah. churning through them. So uh, let's wait and see what the future holds. Whether you're going to be selling anything else <laughs> at some well, point. Buy something else. I, that's what I was going to say because it, it won't be the three sixty. So uh, let's N- stay absolutely tuned. Absolutely not. <laughs> absolutely not. 
Um, but but otherwise, let's talk about what else you've been up to because you did call me uh, sort of middle of last week having a bit of a rant. And do you remember? Happened? Do you remember what you were ranting about? I mean, I call you fairly often to You mind. do. Uh, yeah, you call well, me almost every day to rant. You were ranting about an I3. Ah, ah, yes, I was. I was fuming as well, wouldn't I? So, uh, I'll, make, I'll make it brief because it's quite a long story. Yeah, so, it's a very long story. So, basically, uh, we took a, BM, a BMW i3 into stock. Uh, the dealer that we bought it from was up in Huddersfield. So, we run Golf GTDs or a van as a company car or whatever. So, <clears throat> because of the coronavirus, we're not using public transport at the moment or sending drivers on trains. We're driving everywhere. So, two of us gets in the car. We go to Huddersfield. We take a GTD Golf. We fill it up with diesel. It was 50-odd quid worth of diesel. It goes up to Huddersfield. It gets in the i3. We drive back. The, the i3 was fully charged at Huddersfield, 100 and... 20 miles or whatever it is. We get about 70 miles, 75 miles down the road. Needs charging <laughs> immediately. <laughs> you will be uh, kaput. Uh, <laughs> if we say, is that a German expression, kaput? Kaput. Yes. Yeah. You will kaput unless you recharge. Finito. Yeah. So we, we f- the, uh, the sat-nav always tells you the nearest charging points. Very Which I think is good. Very good. I'm, I'm up for that. Yeah. So it was, it was always educating us as we're driving down the road and telling us the nearest charging point. So we found this charging point. Luckily, which is my first bugbear, luckily the charging points were empty. I mean, thank God, because I actually raised this with you. You raised it with me, and I, and I actually thought about it after, and I'd have been fuming. Well, because sometimes at peak rush hour, you can go to a popular petrol station, and you have to wait in queue, don't you, to fill up? For a couple of minutes. But there you go, for a couple of minutes. Imagine a world where we all go, let's, let's save the environment, let's do what the government are telling us and buy EVs. And then you get to the service station, because you've got to charge up, and all the power points, or plugs, or whatever you want to call them, recharging stations, are full. Correct. And it's not going to be a couple of minutes, is it, Tony? Absolutely not. <laughs> so we, we got from Huddersfield, we went to uh, Nottingham or Northampton. Nottingham, Nottingham. So we pulled into Nottingham. There's two charge points, fast charge points. We pulls up. We'd never done it before. Download an app. Scan the app. Didn't work. <laughs> then tried again. It's like early pay for parking in central uh, London. Yes, yeah. yes. That's exactly... <laughs> and, and you put all this information yeah. in. And then um, it starts charging. Fine, we're going to have some lunch. It was about lunchtime. Sure. Have some lunch. GTD sitting in the car park, doesn't need any fuel. It's absolutely fine. <laughs> ready to go. Uh, ready, ready to just yeah. jump in and go. So we sit there for 45 minutes, get a message on the app. says, uh, your car's charged, it's ready. Oh, that's quite good. You get the app notification. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. so it gives you, a, it gives you a, um, like a countdown. Okay. Yeah. So um, charge. Great, let's go. So he gets in at Nottingham, uh, 117 miles or something. We we get to Toddington Services, <laughs> which is about another 75, 80 miles down the road. Needs charging again. <laughs> I'm starting to see why you were so frustrated by the time you called me. Yeah, so so we then pulls in again, does the same exercise again. Have, you, have your tea. The, we then had to go in again for another. I was going to say minutes. second lunch. By that, yeah, but by that by that point. I'm starting to get annoyed, which I think mm. was when I called you. Because I think it was. Yeah. I, I'm sitting in a perfectly good car that that I could just drive home. And by the way, normally when we do these long journeys from Huddersfield, 
I'd just drive straight back. Wouldn't have stopped. Sure. Just drive straight home. So, <clears throat> another 45 minutes. Drink another cup of tea. We have a bag of crisps or whatever we have. We then go from Toddington Services. We just make it back to work. It was 72 miles. We just made it back. Em- completely empty. So, but my biggest gripe in all, it's not just the inconvenience, the fact that the GTD, we put 50-odd quid worth of diesel, and by the way, still had some diesel left <laughs> when we come home. Yeah. So I, I then used the car another two or three times to go home and back, bearing in mind. We then get the bill for the electric, for the i3. So this is the bit I love because you call, I by the way when you called I was so not interested in this chat. Firstly, I was, I, was like, I was like this is perfect for the podcast. I don't want to discuss it now. And secondly, your rant went on as long as this if not longer. And then what I love is you had you had clearly been so bored, you had done the math. So go on. Now you can be so proud of your numbers. What had you calculated it's from got the worse. bill? <laughs> no, it's got worse. So so when I spoke to you originally, yeah. it was about nine quid to charge it each yeah. charge. Yeah, you said when you called me, it was eighteen quid that you'd spent so far. I think roughly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, well, we used less in the GTD in diesel to get home, <laughs> and and we would have drove straight home with no stops and saved two hours. Right? There's another surcharge on top of the eighteen quid, so it ended up being like thirty-one quid. No. Yes, a mate. big surcharge. Another surcharge for using the for using the charge point. I mean, wow. It, because there's a I don't know. It's either a maintenance. It's a yeah, charge. Yeah, there's a fee or some kind. What, whatever. So you pay for the electric and there's another charge. So it was like thirty-three quid. I mean, we nearly went to Huddersfield and back for 33 quid in the Gulf. Okay, but look, let's let's try and be with the times here. Let's try and look at this in a positive spin because electric vehicles are coming our way. We can't escape them. Can I be clear and can I be correct in saying that you're attacking the infrastructure here, not the cars? No, I'm attacking it all. Uh, <laughs> the whole lot. Mate, the car... But do you not like the car? No, we've, we've had one before. I mean, it's a great town car. Yes, so, agreed. So, so wait, for you... Yeah. You live in central, central London... London. Yeah. I wasn't going to give the postcode. Because <laughs> Paul Wallace does. Yeah, he's a he go, I'm going to film coming to your house. And then he puts my postcode into his Google Maps. Anyway, sorry. Chav that wears vests. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't have to go that personal, but sure. No. Onwards. No, but so for what you would want it for, for nipping around town, it's perfect. Yeah, okay? sure. But, but when you want to go out in a car... It's it's flawed, mate, and as well, so it's more expensive. It's it's now more expensive to run. It's not cheaper to run. I guess if you charge it from home and it's eight hours, it's cheaper. Sure, but but I'm talking about going on a run. Well, that's that's the thing. The, the, this is where I had an issue with, for example, with the Taycan. What an amazing car, brilliant car, yeah, it's developed yeah. by Porsche. It's fantastic, correct? And I would love one, but fundamentally, the ultimate use for it is around town. Because if you want to go further than that, even with an extended range and super fast chargers, it's still impractical. It's still a headache. You still have to think these things through. The infrastructure is not in place. And at which point, if I'm only using a 130 grand Taycan around town, I might as well get a 50 grand i3, if that's how much i3s cost. Yeah, they're, they're 30 odd. Fine. Yeah, well, yeah, there yeah, you go. Do you know what I mean? Like, so th- this is the big issue, I think. Uh, w- to try and convert us petrol heads into the way of EV... Two things need to happen. 
of course, EV range needs to improve. But more importantly, infrastructure. Because, of course, in some parts of the world, and in this country, I think there are about two, you have those super speedy chargers. I know you said you were at fast charge points, but they have another level, don't they? We need those everywhere. And we need lots of them. Because petrolhead, people who enjoy driving, or people like you who drive for work, don't just drive their cars around town. Mate, it's not even petrolheads. So I had a call on the i3 yesterday. A man called. He um, lived in Brighton, okay. Lewis, lived okay. in Lewis. <clears throat> His uh, offices were in central London, um, Labbrook Grove. Sure. So he said, I'm not getting a train anymore because of the virus. I'm going to get an electric car. Great. Um, <clears throat> I think I like, fundamentally, I get that, that idea. Per- like, perfect, no fantastic. No congestion charge. Wonderful. Um, and I said, um, how many miles is your work from home? He said, oh, but it, 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 it's between sort of 65 and 75 if you've got a go diversion. So the i is no good. Mm-hmm. It's no good for you. Mm-hmm. You're, 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 you're wasting. I mean, I wanted to sell the car, but I mean. Is this going to call you up in a week and say, oh, you've got to give it back to you? Yeah, it's no good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So um, it's flawed. And then so the, the cars that are good are 100 grand or whatever. Sure. So, I mean, just buy yourself a GTD. Yeah. I th- that, I mean, that's kind of where I'm at. Like, I am excited by electric vehicles. I'm excited by the technology. I'm excited by how they're starting to perform and behave. I think the e-tron looks amazing. Have you seen the e-tron S Sportback? The it's Audi. The Audi. <gasps> that thing is stunning. Okay, like, so... Go on. What are you going to say? You look I'm like not going to tell you. I was, I've just left Audi, by the way, okay. to come here. So, sure. Um, my... Friend there, yeah. Was a sales manager. I've met him, Gary. Yeah, very oh, nice love man. Love Gary. Yeah. Well, I mean, you'd get on. He's got the same haircut. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Try to fuck me a TTR. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he was. Yeah. So uh, I'm not going to tell you what he said about the Etron because I don't want to damage Audi's oh, sales. Oh. Okay, but who cares? It looks great. It looks fantastic. It looks fantastic. <laughs> so that's what I mean. So I'm excited by the idea of all these EVs. Okay, maybe in real life, then you know, there's some issues. But anyway, I'm excited by the idea, and I think that yeah, Etron S. Sportback thing looks amazing. But I couldn't get one because, as I've explained many times before, in central London, there are a few charging points around here, but mm-hmm. not outside my house. Mm-hmm. And I drive too much. You do. So I could have a mini electric for town. Great. I'm actually, I was actually half tempted at one second, but I don't have anywhere to park right outside my house. And mm-hmm. I don't have to park three streets away. And I've got the puppy to walk back. I have too much camera gear, et cetera, et cetera. So your rant, I kind of get, and I don't think it's misplaced. And I know we're going to have a few EV flag flyers who are going to tell us why we're wrong and why that doesn't matter. Well, I've, why... pro- I've proved that, 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 that it's not wrong, mate, because I, I, I couldn't live with electric cars. Not, not you couldn't live with electric cars. It cost you more, and it would cost your business because you'd be spending so much time not at the office that charging up. That was the biggest up. thing. Yeah, I remember, I, you said said that. You. I remember that you said that to me. The thing is, you are theoretically not burning that petrol, that gas, and that fossil fuel. Now, I'm not going to get into the political question of which is more environmentally friendly to make an electric vehicle or a combustion engine vehicle because I don't want I, I don't want to get into that argument. I mean, I think we know what the answer. I is think we that. know the answer, but anyway, let's move on. But yeah, so I would be interested to hear why people disagree with you. If you are EV flag fires, fire burners, let us know. Like, go, feel free to rant below. But I'm with you at the moment, massively. That this is the issue. With it, and until it's fixed, either by government council level with the infrastructure, 
I think the manufacturers will get the range sorted in the next they few will. years. They will. So it's really the infrastructure. Until that's sorted, you can't expect the world to switch to EV. No. It's just it's just not going to happen. No, no, no. I agree. And 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 when you're a business owner, or you run a business, or you have a high powered job, time's money, mate. Time is money. And there there's you go. N- we have not got time to be sodding about waiting for forty five minutes for a car to charge that does eighty miles. I totally agree. Now I'm just going to. Pause again, because Twiggy's actually destroyed her bed. Twiggy, <laughs> Twiggy, you're supposed to be being like, you're so well behaved usually. I've taken her to like three video shoots and she just behaves immaculately, sits there quietly, goes to sleep. You know what I did wrong? I fed her at the wrong time. Oh. I fed her just before we started recording because oh. I thought we'd be a few hours, but now she's all jazzed up. Oh, Let me just fix her bed. Yeah. That little puppy thing that she plays with, it's called Claude. Claude. <laughs> So when you say Claude, I don't know what you're yeah. saying. Because I was like, go get Claude. Where's Claude? <laughs> um, anyway, it's not the only rant that you uh, you ranted at me with last week. Oh, really? <laughs> there was another one. Oh, no. I write these things down. Because um, a certain new BMW has hit the press reviews, or hit the press. Uh, M2CS. Oh. <laughs> now, I'm going to get in before you just go off on one. I'm actually quite excited by this car. My new like BMW revelation, my kind of like, I'm, I'm now what's called hashtag woke to the BMW way of woke. life. I'm so woke to BMW way of life. And when the CS came out, I thought it looked cool. But I remember when it launched, both of us going like, like what the heck is that price tag? Because it fundamentally goes up against a GT4. Correct. And when you think GT4 versus M2, I mean, you'd be mad to pick the M2. Yeah. I mean, just mad. Absolutely. So now that the press are actually getting their hands on them, I'm still intrigued to hear what it's like and if it's any good, but you just want to bury it in the dirt, this car. No, no, no. <clears throat> it's 75 grand, mate. I, I know. Ridiculous. Which, but, which is, so that's what a base GT4 is. Sure. Before options. Sure. I mean, it, it, it's not, I mean, is it 30 grand better than an M2 comp? No, and this is where we disagree over and over again regarding price, because I think I said it to you on the phone. How much was the M4 CS? How much is it now? Well, no, no, no. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> How much was it? 90 odd grand. Yeah, exactly. They so, didn't sell them. No, of course not. It's a pricing structure of BMW. It's a pricing, like, it's a mistake. It's definitely a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> and... As I've explained, you would never pick an M2CS over a GT4 unless you were blind. However, I didn't really like the engine in the 780. Anyway, let's not get distracted. Um, So I get your point, but also I think I understand why BMW put it at that price. If it was 58 grand or 60 grand or 62 grand, and so you'd be excited then, would you? The car car, car will be good, mate, because an M2 comp is good, as you experienced the other day. It's a good car. Bit too serious, but sure. Bit too serious. So an yeah. M2CS is going to be even more serious. Oh, boring. Exactly. It looks great, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, does, it does look better. Granted, it does yeah, look better. Yeah, yeah. But I just can't get my my head around the... And I know I do bang on about values a lot. What's your business, mate? It, I get it. it. It's my business. And it's an important factor when you're buying a car, by the way. <laughs> it is. It's the deciding factor on how you buy a car. Yeah. So, I mean, it's all right saying take value out. Well... Let's put it back in because you can't 
take it out because no, that's what you, you need still, to buy it. You've still got to pay it. Got to buy. The car's not free. No. And, and I'll come away from my devil's advocate BMW flag flying position for a second and do, I mean, I agree with you. It, it is ridiculous. It ruins everything about the car. And it also is BMW taking advantage of the market, I think. They sort of realise if they put out this sexy, spicy, it's not limited, is it? A limited run. Okay, fine, whatever. A limited production run. Sure. They knew people would pay a premium. They knew they could take advantage of it. Um, and and that annoys me because it's a very Jaguar thing to do. Hashtag Project A. There's some lot of them. Don't giggle under your breath like that. <laughs> I mean, but the, th- the problem there is one of the best cars ever made by Jaguar Land Rover, if not the world. Like not enough people will experience that car because no one wants to buy it. The, no. one, the ones on the used market have been on the used market for a year and their values are all over the shop because like, anyway, <laughs> I'm <laughs> ranting now. Fundamentally, M2CS, I'm with you. It's, it's a piss take. I still like the way the car looks. I still want to have a go in one. I know I'll be disappointed and bored because it will just be a comp that's a little bit harder. And I actually watched Shmi's video when he drove one on track and it, it looked pretty boring. If I'm I honest. think it is fundamentally yeah. underneath. I think it is a comp. It's just a comp. I mean, we need to do some more research, but let's wait and see. Uh, a lot of press managed to get their hands on it all embargoed. By the way, if you don't know what an embargo is, we talk about it a lot on YouTube. It's a very old school press term. Essentially, it's what uh, brands or companies or whatever would do to ensure that all publications are released at the same time. You would either do it so that you got mass coverage, a big mass coverage, sorry, a big bang moment in the press. So suddenly your product was everywhere and everyone was like, oh my God, what is this product? Or you would do it because logistically it was very hard to arrange all the kind of interviews. And so you wanted fairness amongst all the titles. So for example, if you're doing film PR and you had Brad Pitt for two days or you know one day in March, one day in June, you got different titles, some titles that are working two months ahead, sometimes which are daily newspapers. You have to put an embargo so that no one gets an unfair advantage on the exclusive interview with Brad Pitt. So anyway, it's an old school term. I really hope embargoes die a really quick and painful death because they're ridiculous in the world of social media, but they do still exist. And everyone who's driven an M2CS is under embargo. So we've got to wait a few more. Until when? I don't know. No one's told me when the embargo is, but... Oh. When will you get to drive it? Uh, hopefully later in the summer, I guess. Um, I, I, I'm trying to build up my relationship with BMW UK. BMW Germany have been fantastic to me over the last couple of years. BMW UK have also been great. I just, I've lost a bit of contact with them. So uh, I'm trying to do some more work with them and fingers crossed I'll get my hands on that car. Fair. Let's wait and see. Um, okay, let's change it up a little bit. Going with a quirky car here. Did you see the new Ford Bronco? No. Oh, well, what is wrong with you? We don't often talk about cars that don't come to the UK on this podcast. Oh, that's why then? No, but people have been asking for it for a while. Have they? Yes, people from America. We have international listeners, mate. Oh, yeah, sorry. Um, But you know what? Somebody suggested, someone said, why don't you... I think it was a Patreon, actually, who said, why don't you talk about cars that aren't available in the UK? I was like, I don't really know many. (laughs) I'll I'll be honest, I'm not really sure, apart from the, you know, Camaros and things. The Lincoln Navigator. (laughs) Fantastic knowledge. Ford Bronco, an icon of the US, uh, obviously probably most famous for the OJ Simpson car chase. 
Okay. Remember the white Ford Bronco when no. he was running from the cops? You don't no. know that story? You know who O.J. Simpson is? I know who O.J. Simpson is, but I don't, I've never seen that. <laughs> I mean, I don't, it's not a movie, by the way. You know that, right? No, no, no. Real, real life, I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, but uh, I mean, I, I don't want to tell you. Okay, well, it's, an, it's, a, it's the Land Rover Defender slash G-Wagon of America. It's the utility, you know, every man's 4x4. It's taken on various sort of uh, iterations over the years, and they've bought it back now, and it looks fantastic. It killed the internet, basically. Okay. Uh, it came in out America. in America. But I think worldwide, because people saw it, and they've done an amazing job... At harking back to the original 60s Bronco but making it look role? modern yeah I'm going to do well. do you want to see it I'd love to okay because I thought you might because um, I haven't got any idea what you're talking about what I'm about. talking about uh, but yes because we can hark on more and more about New Defender by the way which I'm driving tomorrow ah <gasps> exclusive for behind the glass listeners a Defender video is coming you will think exactly the same as me I'm sure I will but I'm intrigued anyway we can hark on about how that kind of you know looks nothing like an actual Defender that is the Bronco. That looks a bit like that. Bronco. <laughs> no. What's that? The Ineos Grenadier. Yes. Yeah, sort of. I'm, I'm not completely against you there, but it, it looks like the Bronco. If you saw the original Bronco, which I'm now going to bring up, um, it, it is definitely old Bronco made new. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. I mean, the dog can choke. <laughs> The dog is an absolute nightmare today. Uh, this is my first time of being like, she's a nightmare. Ah, um, oh, I know that one. There you go. So I've just showed Tony a picture of the 1960s Bronco. That was in Knight Rider, that car. Good, good shout. Uh, no, <laughs> I don't even know what Knight Rider is, do you? Kit. 
Yeah. Hello, David. Hello, Michael. What was the guy called? Michael. Michael, there you go. Um, anyway, so yeah, Bronco I think is really cool. Unfortunately, we're not supposed to be getting it in Europe. Uh, I think Clive Sutton, that guy who imports all the Mustangs and things like that, has said that he's going to try and bring some over. The thing I can't understand is the size because American trucks and SUVs have been getting so ludicrously huge over the years. I worry that will be like Raptor, F-150 Raptor massive. Mate, that's cars in general. Do you know, I was behind a little Audi A1 the other day. It's like an old shape A3. They're huge. Everything is so big. I know. You know what the piece I wanted to do was 992 Turbo S with 993 Turbo S? You could fit a 993 Turbo <laughs> in the boot of a 992 <laughs> yeah. Turbo S. My good Lord. Like, things are just getting huge. It's a bit out of control. And New Defender, just to hark on about that again. What a massive car. I've seen a few of them rolling around London now. Mm. They're ginormous. Yeah. Anyway. Okay, well, that was our kind of catch up on some of the news uh, of the last week. But as I say, if you're not a patron, if you're not getting this kind of real time, it would have been the news of a few weeks ago. So, oh. <laughs> yeah, be really old news. Oh, Probably the M2CS embargoes lifted, <laughs> the Broncos <laughs> coming to the UK, my 911's back available at Gravelwood Castle. No, just, um, but look, let's get into the meat of today's episode, which is kind of like a mini Porsche special. Uh, I've repeated over and over again, I don't really want to allow you a full Porsche special episode like we've done with uh, Lamborghini and Ferrari because I think it would just be so boring <laughs> you'd just be gone for half an hour but he's the best of cars in the world fantastic but anyway I'm, gonna no, I'm give- actually glad actually because yeah it, you'd bore yourself I think. I'd bore myself yeah, yeah. but I'm going to give you half an episode and I'm going to engage with you on it. No, I'd rather you engage with it because okay. I could just literally just rattle on. Oh, I know, it's so bad. <laughs> um, so look, uh, let's go back. We did touch on this a little bit uh, when you collected your GT3 RS from Porsche Guildford. Mm-hmm. And we did the special episode with the live audience, which we're hoping to do more of at some point in the future. Um, so we know a bit of your story, but, but just remind people, why did your sort of Porsche story begin? Well, when I was a kid, my cousin had one okay and um i i just always liked him he had a 996 turbo oh hello yeah. your cousin was doing all right wasn't he yeah he was he had a good job in the city oh, clearly um it was a lot older than me by the way um and it was really from then on and i thought oh i really they're all right yeah i'd like a porsche and and um probably a bit younger actually but okay. but that's when i really first started looking up to Porsches and um, I'm going to buy one of them one day all that jazz and I did oh yeah and I bought a few and I've I've owned more Porsches probably than I have any other car I say bought a few obviously a lot of crossover with your business here because you do have a ton of Porsches coming and going for sure uh, etc etc but you have had I mean since I've known you from GT4s to turbos to uh, GT3 GT3 RS etc flying through them i mean have you had any panameras ever yes you have yes okay new shape um new shape no no an old shape car but i don't get loads of them um i did buy one for myself for a while but Um, i was gonna say because i've seen you with mccann's and cayenne's and things like that but i've never seen you with the panamera yeah i mean um i guilford lent me a turbo s the the hybrid one the shooting brake thing yeah. Um, when they first come out, flipping out what a car that what was. It was 140 grand. That's my low-key 
dream family daily driver is the turbo se hybrid thing panamera shooting brake yeah grant yeah. you know the, yeah. the full just tick yeah. all the boxes and it looks so good that so car so well. good and yeah. if you do it in a subtle spec no one really cares no that's right yeah, yeah it just wafts along yeah so what was your first porsche then because we've talked about the fact you've had about 700 do you remember what your first one you bought was for yourself I think it was a 996 C4S or C2S. Okay. And I I remember it was a Tiptronic thing. Sure. Something was terrible. Just awful. <laughs> <laughs> Something awful. But at the oh, time... Sorry. Is that normal? Now, uh, oh, so <laughs> he took the thing. Twiggy's now picked up her water bowl and spilt water all over the floor. Drowned her toy. Drowned her toy. Go on. So, yeah, you had a 996 coupe. Uh, not coupe, yeah. yeah of course. I know you had a weird moment with cabriolets in your life. That was odd. Yeah, I did actually. Yeah, yeah that yeah. was very bizarre. But, um, yeah, coupe. Um, the thing is, mate, I've had so many, I, I can't remember the. <laughs> don't, you don't have to show off, mate. No, no, no. Like, I rem- I've just had so many Porsches. Yeah, well, I have. You have, actually. I mean, since I've known you, as I say. What about that 997.2 GT3 you had? You don't even remember that? It was white with yes. the heavy clutch. Tony just calls me and goes, oh, mate, I bought a GT3. Oh, and you've already got a GT3, mate. He goes, no, I bought another one. I bought an old one. And, that I didn't ever uh, drive. No, you didn't. You I just, never drove it. You were like, it. what a disaster. Did you drive that Yeah, car? I drove it. I, I came, came to the video and drove it. Awesome sound. Incredible sound. Nice analog ishy feel, but really heavy clutch pedal. Really heavy clutch pedal, and older Porsches. People will know this that own them mm-hmm. were so bad for understeer. They literally just go straight. <laughs> but, but obviously the new cars have been dialed out. And with so many other cars, every uh, I think with Porsche like Ferrari, people really hark on about previous generations. Oh, the car you wants the nine nine six GT two. But realistically, the 991 GT2 is a much better car. Oh. Like, you know what I mean? So it's that kind of thing where that 997.2 GT3, yeah, GT3 was amazing. Looked great. Sounded the bomb. Yeah. But the 991 GT3 is just a miles better car. Yeah. I mean, obviously, Porsches have had their had their problems down the years, obviously, with the with the 997 and the the um, the same generation Boxster and Cayman with the ball scoring and their terrible engine problems. Um, but Porsche really arrived, I think, to the market properly as a proper engineered car when the PDK came out. Really? I think so. Oh, I disagree with you then. I think they... When they I think really, Porsche are Porsche. Yeah, no, no, no. But what I'm saying is is that they'd have, their, they'd, have, they'd have their problems back then, you know, they'd have their engine problems and stuff. And now, I mean, they absolutely smash it now. And, and as well, you know, people... And it's weird because when I first all met all you social media lads, none of you liked oh, Porsches. Oh, all hated Porsches. Every single one yeah, of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got a video saying why I never really liked Porsches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but you've all either owned one and now love them um, or all experience. And that's the thing with Porsche as well. Pe- the uh, people that knock them in general are the people that have never owned them mm-hmm. or never really experienced them. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's, it's a weird... They have a weird following and a weird... It's a cult. It's a cult. It's a cult. Yeah. And, and so, firstly, I'm just going to get in that I, I really disagree with what you're saying about them turning up on the scene in terms of engineering. Because I, I think what I would agree with you on is that in recent years, maybe the last 10 years, they've gone from strength to strength to strength, yeah, yeah, where yeah. they're now this like proper big dick player. But Porsche are Porsche. And I think even from the 50s, like they've always been 
pretty were in big trouble, mate. I mean, they they, they as as a brand until yeah. Volkswagen really got hold of them, they didn't really make very good cars, mate. Like in terms of you know the 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 the, the build for a, for a German manufacturer, they you know, weren't actually. No, the engines weren't that great, and and they would. That, you know they'd constantly overheat and stuff, and I mean the nine nine six wasn't really a great car, really to be. I mean it's hard because it's the first uh, water cooled car, sure, obviously. So, um, but but yeah, I think Porsche really arrived in the late two thousands when they, you know, we're here. This these are our cars. They're bulletproof. They're properly made. I mean, I mean put together, they've always been put together properly, but. They always had their mechanical issues, and now they just smash it. Yeah, and I think McCann and Cayenne took them to a whole different stratosphere. When they, st- I mean, we know that that's the majority of their sales these For days, sure. and I think that's what elevated the company. But, but yes, you're so right in the sense that I, like so many others, especially in the YouTube community, but but in the world, really knocked Porsche until I had a go in one. The first time I ever considered potentially buying a Porsche was. Was it 4C? or No, it wasn't F-Type. It must have been 4C time. I went to look at a 981 Cayman S. Could have been a GTS, but I find it unlikely because there would have been big money. So let's say it was an S. Dark blue, black details. At, um, what's the Porsche on the A4? Must be um, not Chiswick or... You know the one that... Is yeah, on West the London. West London, there you go. Uh, so anyway... Went to see that car. It was amazing. That was the only real time that I was like, ooh, you know, I'll get myself a Porsche. How old was that? Was that a 981? A 981. 981. Right. Naturally aspirated S. Really, really nice car. Um, but it was it was a, uh, more than the 4C and the 4C was quirky. And anyway, so that's the route I went. And then I was always knocking Porsche because I, I didn't really get it. I think if you're not into Porsche, you know, all the, the C4S, S Turbo, 991, 997, you're like, well, shut up, mate. It's yeah, just a 911. Yeah. Like, yeah, who cares? Yeah. And you don't really get it. And then I was spoiled because my first real experience of Porsches that I should pay attention to was a 2.7 RS and Mr. JWW's uh, GT3, 991.1 GT3 in Monaco. And I was like, all right. Now I'm starting to see the appeal. I understand, yeah. And I fell off a, you know, a, a, a big cliff on that sense and then kind of fell head over heels in love. Yeah. Which started with me for the 718 Cayman S, 911 Carrera T, and let's see what the future holds. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so once you're in, I think it's as much the community, but the consistency across the range. Because there's something about Porsche, once you've bought into the idea of them, which is that they're not necessarily the most thrilling, the most exciting. They're just the most capable. Every Porsche you get into, you can find those elements. Mm-hmm. Whether it's a 70s Porsche or an 80s Porsche or a noughties Porsche, they all tick those boxes. When I drove a 959, I was like, this is very, very dull in comparison to what I was hoping and expecting. But it was a Porsche. Compared to an F40 or something. Well, that's what I was doing. It. I was comparing yeah, yeah. it against okay, F40. Uh, and just, you know, Dell is dull as dishwater. Yeah. But... It was very Porsche and it was as recognisable as Porsche. And so I think fundamentally that's where they have a great success. There's, they they haven't changed their identity that much over the years and obviously the shape of the 911, but that's their beauty. And you can get someone who's got a relatively, you know, maybe a few years ago they bought a 20 grand 993 and they're as in love with the brand, as, as enthusiastic as someone who's bought a brand new 991 GT3. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, uh, I agree. Now let's talk a bit about values. Because I actually think today, on the modern market, modern used market, your safest, the safest place to put your money is in pretty much any 
modern Porsche. Yeah, so again, I, I, I think that probably changed when when did I when do I think that probably changed? When the when the nine eight one Boxster and Cayman come out. Okay. And I remember driving one of them cars. I think it was a Boxster, nine eight one Boxster S. And there was always the poor man's Porsche, the Boxster and the Cayman. When I drove it, I thought, flipping hell, this is better than the 911. <laughs> this is really, really, <laughs> really this is a, a... Sound of the bomb. Yes, this is this is a proper, this is a proper Porsche. This isn't a substitute car. This is a real good car. And obviously, values have um, reflected that. Of course. That, that, you know, the them Boxsters and them... I mean, I, you know, I just sold a, a, a 981 Cayman S. I remember you saying, real nice spec, huh? A lovely spec car. Um with 30-odd thousand miles on it for 38 grand. I mean, that car would have been 50 new. Well, we spoke about this the other day because there are some, I mean, ridiculous things out there. 991.1, the naturally aspirated GTS, still 90 grand, basically. 997 GTS, which everyone says is a real sweet spot in old-school Porsche, mm. uh, especially if you can find a manual. I mean, they're still 65, sometimes 70 grand if it's yep. a manual. Yeah. Uh, you're right, 981 Cayman S, Cayman GTS, big, big money. Yeah. Cayman R, which was a quirky little car. It was, yeah. They're basically list. I mean, 10 years later. But they didn't make loads of them then. The the, the, the problem, it's not a problem with Porsche, is that what, what they'd done a few years ago, they would really, production wouldn't be very high. But what they've done now is because they're so popular, they just keep churning yeah, cars just out. Keep, keep making them. So instead of the... Um, say, the dealers having the money, Paul should just keep making the cars and they've had the money. And I don't blame them because they're a business. Of you course. Know? So that, that's the why... The demand's there. Make the cars. Demand's there. Which is why they always make a shed load of GT cars. Okay, people moan that they don't get them. But they do make, they do make a lot more of them. But the reason why is that they're in so much demand is because they're cheap. Well, yes. Value, great value for money. They're Not cheap. <laughs> No, 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 but in comparison. You rich, rich bugger. No, no, but in comparison. Yeah, they're good value for money in comparison to their rivals. And they were. Oh, they're so cheap. And they're better in, yeah. And they're better in. I could buy 10 tomorrow. (laughs) Well, I mean, I could. Oh, come on. (laughs) Where's your gold Rolex? You're not wearing that today, are you? No, it's in here somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) But you're right. I mean, especially when you start to see what they can achieve and what they can do. And we had that GT2RS Pista argument a few weeks ago. Um, (laughs) That didn't end well for you. No. Except Turbo S, except modern day Turbo S, which still you could compare against 720S or Ferrari F8 Tributo in terms of performance. It's still cheaper, arguably. Um, You know, the GT products especially, but then the more standard range, because they, you know, they haven't got a GTS 992 yet, have they? But, you know, that kind of car is always, you know, 30, 40 grand less than its rivals, if not more. Yeah, but the, it's weird because as, as time's gone on, I mean, a 997 mm-hmm. Carrera S mm-hmm. was new, mm-hmm. was 65 grand. Sure. A 992 Carrera S now is nearly double the yeah, price. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, then let's, let's get into the negative quickly because uh, Porsche, like every other person in the world, has risen with the market. Uh, inflation, all these different elements. But, you know, people are prepared to pay a lot more for their cars these days. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what's happened. Um, but they've also fallen into the trap where that demand for the limited cars, that demand for the GT products is they've got better 
as Porsche's kind of social media credibility and, you know, uh, I don't know what else you'd call it, hype has grown. Uh, the sort of games that they play are similar to Ferrari. In yeah. the sense where, oh, so of course you can have a GT3, but wouldn't you love this lovely Panamera first? Or you've got to buy a McCann, or you've got to buy a 911. Got to play the game now, right? Correct. Which yeah. I think a lot of the, or you know, the sort of original Porsche community, or maybe people in general, have been very frustrated by because mm -hmm. it wasn't always the case. It was not, no. And so it's been a quite recent thing, maybe since 991.1 GT3. You, you tell me if I'm wrong, that they've suddenly had this mentality of maybe it's so much demand or they've known that they've been able to control it in that way. But now it feels like you have to really play the game to qualify for one of these special cars. Yeah, I think I think they've obviously looked at the other manufacturers that do it, Ferrari especially, and thought, well, if they can do it, we'll do it. But we make a lot more cars than them. So um, it's easier for us to do it, essentially. So... And and the price range of our cars, we just do it on a on a cheaper scale, essentially. So um, you can buy a McCann or you can buy a Boxster because they are a lot of money, but it's a lot cheaper to play the Porsche game than it is to play the Ferrari game. Fair, yeah, because you have to buy a Portofino or a Lusso to get into your pista. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the, the it, I understand why they do it. It's just sometimes it's a little bit unfair how some customers... Uh, are, are treated in terms of what do I have to do to get this special car? A absolutely. Um, because, yeah, I think, especially if you've been a long-term customer, mm. things like Speedster and GT2 RS, 918, etc. I think people got, well, and touring, GT3, a lot of people got upset with how they got treated because they felt like they were loyal customers and they'd bought certain cars and suddenly they were being told, oh, no, well, actually, Mr. Bob down there has had 15 McCanns from us, so he's getting a slot instead. Yeah. What I found is, or what I always found, it's always the same people that get the special cars. Mm. So they don't get shared around too mm. much. So the dealerships will have their special big hitter customers. They've all got their big hitter customers and they get all the cars. They get everything. Yeah. They get everything. Mm. So you know, they they get all the GT stuff and it like share it around a bit. Like you make enough cars, yeah. Share it around a bit for everyone. And I don't care who you are. You don't need a GT3 RS, a GT3 RS Wysack, a GT2 RS Wysack, a nine. You know, you don't need them all. No, nope. you don't. Well, Just, I think you know. things are going to be changing in a minute because oh. I think there'll be. Well, no, mate, because the, the economic climate of the country. I Good mean, point. Pe people are not you know, they're going to go back to how they were before and begging people to buy cars. Yeah. No, that's what's going to happen. I've been offered 718 GT4s by three different Porsche dealerships. Of course you have. Yeah, because yeah. they are really struggling to sell those cars. They can't cars. sell them, yeah. Can't sell yeah, those yeah. cars. Yeah. Um, so what would you say, and, and I'll get in on this as well, to people who claim that Porsches are just a bit boring? Go and buy one. <laughs> okay, but no, because not everyone's... If you think a Porsche is boring, why are you going to buy one? But But... That's what everyone thinks before they go and own one, before they buy one. They just think they're boring. And to be fair, they have, like all modern cars, they have been dialed out a bit. I mean, that you know, we've had this conversation before. The 992 is just a very good sports car. There's nothing better than it, by the way. It's the best sports car, but it just doesn't give you that thrill. If you want that thrill, you've got to buy a GT car because that's the only, the only car that's still got it in. Even that, 911 Turbo S, that new car. It's the fastest thing on the road, probably a bar in a 720S. But... It's it, left me a bit cold. Who cares? It's, it's just that. Like, it's just really quick and really good. 
that's it. But I that's mean, what and that's Turbo not, S's have always been about. Yeah, and that's nothing bad. And this is the thing with Porsche is that is that that's what you have to accept and almost embrace about. I'm talking about really 911s here because I think it's the easiest generalization to yeah. make. Is that they are great at being pretty boring. <laughs> you don't buy a Porsche to turn up outside the club. You don't buy a Porsche to rev the crap out of it. You don't buy a Porsche to wrap it chrome pink. You buy a Porsche to trundle around in all day, every day in your nice sports car with your nice comfy seats, still feeling pretty good about yourself that you've gone and bought 911. And then at the weekends, you can take it and give it a proper blast. Or if on the way to work, you happen upon a good work, good road, off you go. You can take it on track. It will work and it will work driving it, it there on track and driving it back. Drive it home. Drive it home. Uh, maintenance is relatively low key these days. Hundred, yes, twenty thousand miles services and whatever you know. Cheaper than a C sixty three. Yeah, so that once you kind of embrace that and that side of the Porsche life, that's what you kind of start to enjoy. The fact that you've got this tool in your shed or outside your home or whatever that can be used for every occasion, and it's always a nine eleven sports car. Correct, and and it, and it's a little bit boring because it's good at. Everything. Yes, it ticks all the boxes. And I was quite critical about the 720S over the years because I thought it was trying to tick too many boxes. And I think the, the, the wrong box it tried to tick with of the others was that it was a supercar, an all-out supercar, looked insane, madly, ah, but then it was trying to be as comfortable and as usable as a 911. Mm-hmm. They should have sacrificed some of that usability to make it a supercar because that's yeah. the way it looked. It needed yeah, yeah. to be thrilling and crazy and mad yeah. or it needed to be a bit, bit more thrilling and crazy and mad. The 911, I say, you just kind of go, oh, I don't have to be like giggling like a child every time I get in it because it's just so good. It just it, does everything. It just does everything. And, yeah. and that's my kind of pitch to somebody. I think there are great Porsches in the range. We talked about the Panamera, Cayman. I think boxes have their place. Yeah, um, of course they do. Of course they do. Uh, so fantastic cars. I've never been a big fan of Cayenne and McCann, but, you know, each to their own. But that's my thing. If you... Getting in a 911, don't buy it if you're coming out of a hurricane or you've always been a fan of, I don't know what else I'm trying to think of, but buy it if you want a car that's just going to do everything. Yeah. And yeah, step step up into it in terms of if you've had Audi, BMW, Mercedes, and you want to step up into a proper sports car, the best sports car you can buy. And rightly so, because we've been making it for 40 years. I mean, yeah, of course they, it's they good. better be good at it. That, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. That, you know, just make it that little bit better all the time. Then, yeah, buy yourself a bit. Yeah, don't come down because you'll think, oh, this is boring, it's crap. But fundamentally as well, I know I harp on about how good Porsches are. I mean, they do have their problems, by the way. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. They do have their glitches. But of course they do. They make 250,000 cars a year. Of course. Of, of course they're going to have their problems. And, and you know, some people will be shouting at me and saying, oh, I had a new 911, it had electrical faults and it's had oil leaks and stuff. That's a thing on the 992, by the way, they suffer with oil leaks or oil cooler or something. But they will deal with it, Porsche. And I'll tell you what Porsche do as well. Same as Ferrari and Lamborghini as well, to, to an extent. If you have a problem with your car, which, which all these other manufacturers don't do, BMW and, and Mercedes and Audi are really bad customer service-wise in terms of you've got a problem. So even out of warranty, Porsche sort it for you. So in, mm. in goodwill claims and stuff like that, they're so good at that. Customer uh, service, customer, customer care. Customer service, customer care, yeah. And that's, that's what you pay your money for as well. You pay for an experience when you're buying in the car because people like that. Yeah, so of course. When you and buy you join that. the family. 
the Porsche you, family. It, it does feel that way. It does feel it? that yeah. way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and you're you're always friendly with the people that work in the dealerships, and you know they'll call you up, and it's not like buying the other traditional German cars where you're just a number and mm-hmm, they take mm-hmm. your money and it's goodbye, see you later. Porsche are still yeah, special. It feels aspect. premium, you feel well looked after, yes. you feel like you've bought something expensive. Correct. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, I think uh, I think it's a, it, it is a tough one because there are definitely a lot of Porsche haters and there's definitely a lot of people who don't get them and I think it's a very good point that you say you should always try and step up into a Porsche rather than stepping sideways or down because that's when you risk a little bit of disappointment. Uh, as a man who has owned 700, uh, is there one car out there, you know, if you're a big time collector, you know, you would just go, oh, you know what? I'd like to have one of those. I mean, forever it was the 2RS, but I feel like your love affair with the 3RS has kind of weaned you away from that car. But anything else, you know, historic, like, are you a Carrera GT man? Not really. Not really. I know you don't really. 918? 918. You would, you would, you'd be on a bit of a 918. Yeah, 911R? <laughs> no. No. Uh, Speedster? I, I don't know. Really? No way. So I, when I did the episode with Ed, love it last week. He's um, got one. He's got one at the moment, and he really loves it. Yeah. No, really, no, no. Really it'll be it. a great car because it's yeah. a GT car and it's got no roof. So no doubt it's a good car, but yeah. it's nearly three hundred grand, mate. Yeah, yeah. Not, I mean, not for you. Well, I'm lucky that I own a GT3 RS. So, but but okay, but 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 as I say, money no object. You just won one hundred nine eighteen. Nine eighteen would be the route you go. Hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. No, fair enough. Yeah. I think that's still an undervalued what's called what am i trying to think of undervalued car yeah undervalued car yeah yeah you know uh, it's just i mean that my memories of driving that and using just oh, mind-blowing and in the real world out of them free hypercars it's the fastest one as well by oh the way. no jog on what not a chance mate what, what fastest talking? one where down in the, to re- in the real world it, it, what do you mean the real world no real, it's not so what's faster then p1 and laugh no <laughs> The other two. We can't get the power down. You end up in a wall. No, laugh will always be the quickest because hashtag Ferrari. Because it's Ferrari. Although, although the P1's probably the fastest. Probably do a quicker lap time, but the laugh Ferrari is faster, even if the lap times don't agree. <laughs> uh, but no, no way in the 918 is the quickest. Like, no chance. I, I think it would be in the real no, world. No, it's got those heavy batteries and things. They've all got heavy batteries. No, and but things. the 918s are super heavy. <laughs> Uh, we're going to leave it there because that could be a whole other episode. That is, that- Maybe that's it. Holy trio. Which one's the best? Oh God, I, d- I dare not get into it. Um, but anyway, guys, I hope you've enjoyed uh, listening. Twiggy, you've been an absolute terror this episode. I was really trying to show off having you on the podcast and you've just, you've pooped. You've eaten things. You've you spilled the water. Spilt the water. Um, but it's been a pleasure having you here, and it's been a pleasure having all of you listen to us. If you are a patron, we love you. Thank you so much for supporting this podcast. We do have some big, exciting things happening behind the scenes already, thanks to your support. If you're interested in getting behind the podcast uh, by doing so, uh, just visit patreoncom behind the glass, uh, and otherwise subscribe. Keep following us, and please. Yeah, that's about it, isn't it? It is. Yeah. Okay. Adios. Goodbye. Hold up. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. 